Ah, ah, well, here we go. Hello, everybody. I'm Maxwell, but you know what? Doesn't matter. I've got a story for you. It's a wonderful story full of goodness. The kind that gives you the warm and fuzzy feelings. Here, we're celebrating and thanking the incredible support given to Cancer Central. A true collaboration of minds and passion. Cancer Central exists thanks to over 70,000 donated hours to date. Volunteer time from over 300 individuals and 60 organizations. Their mission is to help people affected by cancer find the support and information they need for free. The book, Tech, Treats and Treasures, was published in June 2022. A feel-good book full of fun, technology tales and words of encouragement. Over 80 remarkable leaders sharing their insights and advice as a fundraiser for Cancer Central, helping to keep the site free from advertising <laughs> and messaging charges. This podcast series celebrates the book and their stories and golden nuggets. Now, I'm going to hand you over to Avril Chester, founder of Cancer Central and the narrator of the book. In this particular episode, like many others, it could be number one or ten or fifteen. Okay, she's going to talk you through Tech Treats and Treasure's purpose um, and all the wonderful things all the people have given us. Ah. So, once upon a time. Chapter three. Eat. Stop is a relief and a little bit fun, but after a while, wish to see someone. Poem by Avril Chester. Are we nearly there yet? Am I doing the right thing? What have I taken on? Does this merry-go-round stop? This is time to dig deep. This is the time to find your own fuel. It is very easy to wish to ignore the last few years, but through the pandemic, there are incredible stories of resilience. So how can we not share these? We all have the same, yet such different experiences. Caroline and Mignon reflect, then share their stories. There is so much potential to talk about when we consider the positive impact that technology has on our lives. Being a total geek since I can remember, I taught myself to code on my Commodore 64 way back. I get really excited about technology full stop and always jump ahead to a wonderful utopian world where we balance human and machine to improve everyone's way of life. That said, I think it's the impact on the individual that can demonstrate the starkest potential of what technology can really do. Being the extrovert that I am, the original lockdown hit me hard. My family are a massive source of support for me, and despite the fact that I live over 240 miles away from them, we had always seen each other in person at least once a month. Like so many other people, I felt like that was totally ripped from me overnight, and I struggled. I was in an incredibly lucky position and had to recognize that my immediate family were with me and safe. We lived in the country and had access to a big garden and my dog demanding walks kept me active. But still, I struggled. 
What made the biggest difference to me was the ability not just to speak to them, but to see them. To share those calls across with my sisters so we could talk as a group and not as individuals. To physically see dad and check on how he looked and not have to rely on the stoic, I'm fine message that I could guarantee I would get with the question, how are you? This wasn't earth shattering tech that we were using. It was pretty much things that we took for granted before I needed it so much. That's why I wanted to focus on that as the technology that has made a positive impact. We can spend so much time thinking about massive changes and the far reaching impact of technology that we miss the little things, the personally important things that get someone through a hard time that we shouldn't forget. There is such a massive range in the scale of the positive impact of technology. And that's what I find really exciting. Caroline Carruthers, author, chief exec, and data cheerleader. I was catching up with Mignol the other day and she was working at a healthcare company during the pandemic. Teams were feeling a little disconnected like others, and she was asked to set up a virtual technology women's network to help support morale and keep people connected. She looked at technology available, and she started to pull presentations together, highlighting the successes of each of the ladies of that year and what absolute stars they were. After the presentation, team reflected and realized how much it cheered up their week and made them feel a little bit more connected. Like a lot of us, they shared interests in books, recipes, music, ideas, and quizzes to help keep them connected and engaged during lockdown. Having a virtual collaboration and team platform allowed them to stay in touch and combat some of the loneliness and isolation during lockdown. All organizations adjusted, and we know technology doesn't need to cost the earth to bring such big impact into people's lives, as demonstrated by Mignor and also by Christelle at Arsenal FC. Much has been written about the negative aspects of technology, such as distorted imagery impacting the self-esteem of our teenagers and bias creeping into artificial intelligence. However, few people would dispute that technology can also be a huge source of good in society. It is always the human stories of how technology can have a positive impact on people's lives that resonate with me the most. Only when I started working for a Premier League football club could I say that I truly understood how central football can be to people's lives. For some, supporting a team can be like belonging to a tribe. For them, Nothing is more thrilling than being at a live match alongside thousands of other of their tribal members. But of course, in 2020, as the pandemic spiralled out of control, football matches were played in stadiums bereft of fans. Whilst many people suffered with isolation during the lockdown, I could imagine that many disabled fans may have felt this more acutely without their regular trips to see their team play. Arsenal Football Club really cares for its disabled fans and goes out of its way to ensure that they have an enjoyable experience at the Emirates Stadium in non-pandemic times. I will always remember a few months into lockdown being approached by the gentleman with responsibility for disabled fans. 
he had this great idea to try and create the atmosphere of their supporters' lounge in the Emirates before a match, but virtually. Not knowing where to start, he asked if I could help. At that time, Microsoft Teams was in full use across the club for meetings. It took little effort to create a group in Teams for his fans, then ensure he was fully comfortable with all relevant functionality. After a brief test with a smaller group of fans, he was all set for the next match. He had created a virtual space for the fans to meet before, during and after the match. Somewhere to watch the match together, chat together and support their team. So this wasn't about leading edge technology or a complex, large, time consuming or expensive projects as IT projects often can be. Neither was there a multi-million pound return on investment, but a small amount of effort yielded a large amount of satisfaction, not just for the fans, and they wouldn't have known it, but for me too. It always brings a smile to my face when I remember that I played a small part in helping recreate some of the camaraderie those fans were missing being unable to attend live matches and at a time when it was surely more important than ever. Crystal Haeckler, Technology Leader. The one thing we all have in common is our health, and I am so personally thankful to everyone involved in this space. The speed of technology delivery in healthcare over the last few years has been truly remarkable, just like Rachel and the different team. You are all epic. Uh, hi, my name is Rachel Murphy. I was CEO at Different uh, and I am now a advisor and investor in health tech companies in the process of building a new business, rachelmurphy.com, um, and I'm on a personal mission to contribute towards global health equity for all. I'm going to talk a little bit today about how Different delivered the home testing program for COVID-19 in just eight days. So we delivered the UK's biggest ever home testing programme. Um, it was a huge ask, full stop, but delivering it in a week was almost impossible. Uh, when NHSX approached Different and asked us to deliver a home testing ordering service in seven days, we were aware it was going to be a massive undertaking. But the NHS was buckling under COVID pressures and around 40% of staff were in isolation due to unconfirmed symptoms. So frankly, we just got to work. And fortunately, a different uh, as a business is always used to, uh, to working quickly. Um, and when I joined the company, it focused solely on recruitment with just a couple of permanent staff. Um, but as my experience is in service delivery, we quickly rebranded ourselves to provide public sector support services. And in just six months, we'd secured our first uh, major services contract with the NHS. So when COVID took hold, it made sense we would turn our expertise to the delivery of the testing program and play our role in supporting the NHS. It took in total eight days to design the service from scratch and deliver it to the first group of NHS staff. Over the course of three months, one million home test kits were delivered in the UK. And here's how we did it. 
Um, on the first day, we interviewed more than 50 um, service stakeholders remotely. We mapped the service blueprint and we then set the project goals. Over the next four days, we focused on developing the service architecture, creating the contact centre guides and set up the website. By day eight, the first staff at London Ambulance Service were able to order test kits online, which um, personally is one of my proud, proudest achievements to date. And of course, the work didn't stop once the programme went live. We documented the experience of London Ambulance Services staff using the tests. We then set up an assisted um, digital contact centre to support people who had accessibility needs and analysed the user performance data. And this allowed us to adapt the testing programme for everyone in the UK rather than just key workers and have it ready for the entire population in the space of six weeks. And those were, you know, an incredibly gruelling six weeks. And we're hugely proud of the achievement, not just within the coronavirus programme, but also highlighting how tech can be used to solve large scale problems in healthcare. And the role digital has to play in healthcare can sometimes be unclear with often negative connotations. Um, as clinicians are often plagued by clunky and out-of-date IT systems. But on the flip side, the idea of health tech can be overcomplicated um, and only associated with fancy AI and 3D printing. Um, however, the rapid launch of the COVID testing programme shows that we could bring something to market in breakneck speed, um, but, but really add some serious value in way of uh, the service that we provided initially to frontline staff and then right across the UK. Thank you very much. Absolutely brilliant. Wasn't the vaccine program amazing? The sheer speed and scale to begin to prove anything like this is possible. So to put an ask out there, could we coordinate something like this? Huge targeted energy at scale for cancer, please. You can no longer afford to be a passive patient. Chris Lewis, at Christy Eagle One, Chris's Cancer Community, COO of Simpel. Thank you, Chris Lewis, for all the campaigning you do. You are fabulous, formidable, and I feel blessed to be able to call you my friend. Like many, I am on repeat prescriptions, and with osteoporosis accelerator because of cancer treatment, I leave the pharmacy with a big bag full of goodies. It's not quite the same as an exciting pick and mix, but I like to pretend it is. The pandemic interrupted supply chains. This included ingredients for medicines. My tamoxifen supplier, hormone therapy for breast cancer, fast ran out of stock. Just use another supplier of tamoxifen, I hear you say. Well, it's not that easy. Each supplier uses different ingredients. These have different side effects. After creating a table of well-known brands, I could see the same two or three ingredients with even more, at least six or seven different to the one I currently use. This is hormone treatment. Being five years into my 10-year intake, I have learned how to handle the side effects. I was scared. I feared catching COVID. Cancer already took a year of my life and I'm in no mood to be seriously ill again, thank you very much. 
but I was also scared of handling drug-induced hormone changes while living alone, being locked inside the house with work going bonkers and emotions running high. Step forward, my incredible pharmacy. They were and are an absolute lifeline. They found 10 mug boxes instead of 20 mug boxes. At every opportunity, whatever small amounts became available from the supplier, they'd pre-order and store it out back for when my prescription arrived. They found every way possible to keep me going. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. We can only make decisions on the information we have available at that given time. What was challenging was finding advice on how the vaccine behaved with repeat prescriptions. With the news packed full of horror stories and blood clots, I emailed my surgeon, who in turn spoke to the oncologist, who in turn advised Macmillan had updated their website with advice on the vaccine and medication. I asked Declan what it was like from his side. During COVID, we realized we needed to create a reliable source of information for patients with cancer. With so little information, it was important to quickly develop reliable clinical information to support the hundreds of thousands of people with cancer in the UK who had questions. The internet is full of information, with not all of it good, and it was imperative we created the trusted source of information we knew was essential. Macmillan launched their first coronavirus information on the 11th of March 2020, launched the coronavirus hub on the 25th of March 2020, and the patient personalization on 21st of April 2020. Getting initial information and the hub up in a matter of days, and personalization within weeks, was an amazing achievement and included a number of offerings. Specific clinical information for coronavirus and cancer. By answering a few multiple choice questions, creating a personalized guide on coronavirus and cancer. This can be found at www.macmillan.org.uk forward slash coronavirus forward slash cancer dash and dash coronavirus dash guide. Ability to register as a volunteer to befriend a cancer patient during the pandemic as we assess the level of loneliness would be a challenge for those diagnosed. This was really a successful initiative. In a month, we would see over 100,000 page views on our coronavirus hub alone. The Macmillan Coronavirus Hub was mentioned in Parliament as the reliable source of cancer information for patients during the pandemic. The information was updated daily by using agile techniques developed as part of the digital transformation program that I led. Declan Hunt, technology and digital professional who specializes in supporting organizations through significant transformational change. Following a career as a successful CIO in organizations such as Macmillan Cancer Support and G4S, now a freelance consultant specializing in digital and technology transformation and is also a trustee of the London Irish Centre. The power of technology and science in all its brilliant glory. Moving thoughts on to politics. How did the House of Commons and Lords continue? What impact did technology bring to the governing bodies of our country? In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, 
the House of Commons and Lords agreed to introduce virtual participation in debates to allow for social distancing and help prevent the spread of the virus. They also introduced remote voting in divisions. As at January 2022, the House of Commons has removed virtual participation and evolved remote voting into a permanent system of electronic pass reader voting in its division lobbies. In the House of Lords, arrangements have been made to continue virtual participation for eligible members with long-term disabilities, enabling them to participate in chamber or grand committee remotely and to vote electronically or by telephone, whether on or off the parliamentary estate. Proposals for a permanent system of electronic pass reader voting, again located in division lobbies, have been published and will be debated in the House of Lords and its committees are able to choose whether to meet in person, hybrid or virtually. Research undertaken by the House of Lords Library showed some interesting differences between wholly physical, virtual and hybrid participation in the House of Lords in 2020 and pointed to the fact that before the introduction of virtual proceedings, member participation in the chamber and in grand committee had been falling since the beginning of the pandemic. For example, in the last five sitting days before the introduction of virtual proceedings, 13th to 19th of March 2020, the average number of members speaking each day was 23 fewer than for the average of the same period in the previous three years. The average number of spoken contributions each day was 51 fewer than for the same time in the previous three years. The introduction of virtual proceedings led to changes in member participation. There was an increase in the number of members speaking each day. Between 21 April 2020 and 4th June 2020, the average number speaking each day was 29 more than for the same period in the previous three years. The average number of spoken contributions each day was 35 fewer than for the same time in the previous three years. This meant that while more members were speaking, they made fewer contributions on each day on average. This may have been the result of members speaking virtually not being able to make interventions. Hybrid proceedings, where some members were able to participate in the chamber while observing social distancing and others contributed remotely, saw an increase in member participation compared to previous years, both in terms of the number of members speaking and the number of spoken contributions. From 8th June 2020 to the end of the year, the average number of members speaking each day was 32 more than for the same time over the previous three years. The average number of spoken contributions each day was 84 more than for the same time in the previous three years. Any comparison between two periods of House of Lords activity is difficult because of the many variables involved. For example, there are potentially large differences in the types of business taking place and the length of any sittings involved. What had become clear though, was that Lords members who might be physically unable to attend the House on grounds of long-term disability have been able to use virtual proceedings to participate virtually in the work of the House of Lords. The House of Lords Procedure and Privileges Committee suggested, it is vital that the House should continue to benefit from the perspectives of disabled members. And following discussion on the floor of the House of Lords, it was agreed to introduce Standing Order Number 24A, meaning disabled peers can apply for eligible member status, and if granted, they may choose to participate virtually in proceedings in the Chamber or in Gram Committee and to vote remotely. At Parliament, and probably all big organisations, progress is not always linear, and the most elegant of digital solutions don't always suit the business in the long term. Some of the things which had to be introduced during a pandemic context changed the character of the Chambers, 
removing spontaneous interventions on speeches, something which has been a famous feature of the UK Parliament. This doesn't take away from the achievements of the digital teams at Parliament in the pandemic and the recognition of the inclusion benefits for disabled peers from the House of Lords is a welcome outcome. Thank you, Tracy, to you and your teams for providing an essential service and congratulations on winning the 2021 Women in IT Outstanding Contribution of the Year Award. Life also presented opportunity for a burst of new initiatives, ideas and startups. Let's invent! Could I be bold and call it a renaissance of creativity? There were amazing personal projects of discovery and the introduction of a new word to my vocabulary. Sondership. In the summer of 2021, I launched a podcast called Sondership with the tagline, inspiring stories from people with purpose. Each week, I would interview guests who were driven to have a positive impact on society. Season one ran for 22 episodes and covered a diverse spectrum of guests from the UK, the US, Africa and Asia, each with their own story, their own purpose and their own motivations. As a Chief Digital and Information Officer, previously with the Stem Cell Register Anthony Nolan, saving the lives of people with blood cancer, and more recently with London Business School, which seeks to have a profound impact on the way the world does business and the way business impacts the world. It was inevitable that many of my guests were from the field of technology and were using technology to create good. I wanted to inspire others by sharing their real, raw and honest stories to show how achievable their accomplishments could be to you or me. They had simply blended their inspiration, confronted their imposter moments and harnessed whatever privilege they had to influence positive change. This project came about through a combination of inspiration and a trigger. The trigger was a discovery of a new word, sonder, coined by John Koenig in his Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows and defined as the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. How often do we stop, step out of our own heads and our own stories and look out onto all the other stories playing out around us? And not just look, but really see other people as a whole. Not just for the glancing overlap with your story, but for all the things that makes them whole. My inspiration came from a handful of incredible people, many of whom I've been lucky enough to have as guests on Sondership, with the hope that their stories will inspire others as they did for me. Most notable is Avril Chester, an impressive technology leader in her own right, but also the founder of Cancer Central, the charity to which this book is donating its proceeds. She's a cancer thriver who combined her first-hand experience of an awful disease and her sharp technology skills to create an information service that she felt was missing when she needed it most. I would encourage everyone to pause every now and then, reflect on what social injustice really resonates for them 
Consider their privileges and not just affluence. It may be their unique perspective, their social network, their special skills or talents, and then overcome those imposter moments that plague all of us in order to have a positive impact in the world. Too kind, Danny. Honestly, it's just me. I can't cook for toffee or garden for that matter. I accidentally killed a cactus just before Christmas. It was a father Christmas cactus, so you can imagine how long I'd had it for before it died before Christmas Day. How, how can you kill a cactus? <laughs> Raw green finger talent, that's me. And as for cooking, please don't ever ask me to be sous chef. Just ask my friends if you don't believe me. I thoroughly enjoy the talents of anyone who wishes to cook for me. <clears throat> Talking of which, I went to my first in-person event the other week. Leaving the nervousness post-COVID aside, the food, all oh, the food, oh, how I missed you. A plate presented, art with the melt-in-the-mouth experiences. Funny enough, my microwave extravaganzas don't quite look or taste the same. Wonder why? What to eat? A common question for me, but in all seriousness, here are some fabulous golden nuggets to help refuel. Embrace the experiment. Chris Lord, Group CDO at Babcock International. It is definitely better to do something and regret it than not do it and regret it. Stephen Johnson, CEO, Rock. Hi there, Claire Priestley here, Chief Digital and Information Officer, founder of CIO Plus One and co-founder of the Secret Boxing Gym in London. My advice is this, forget trying to feel confident. It's a temporary state at best and it's entirely contextual. If something makes you feel nervous, it's almost certainly a sign that you will grow from the experience. So seek discomfort some of the time. Change the narrative from I feel nervous to I'm excited to. And feel the smile break through as you say that word, excited. Good luck. For those who listen to our podcast, The Three Digital Amigos, you know that Craig, Chris and I always try to wrangle something about food into every episode for a bit of fun. Surely then I couldn't leave food out of this audible. This one is for you, podcast listeners. Craig, Chris, hope my food reference here has made you proud. Is anyone else struggling with half their wardrobe post-lockdown? Here's an extra poem for all of us. Eat. I shouldn't, but I must. Bread or olives, leave the crust. The juices, what to drink? Water or wine? Just one clink. It's no fun leaving the rum. Soup or prawns? Hand the pecans. Think diet. Triple cooked chips. Meat or vegetarian? All on the hips. It's not fair. Why do cakes stare? Biscuit or mint? What if I squint? If you'd like to assist Cancer Central, please donate directly or visit nuggetstore.co.uk and buy your physical copy of the book, Tech, Treats and Treasures. 
Thank you. I love it. <laughs> 